The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. Today is Thursday, February 20th. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Uh, we are rumbling right along to the NFL Combine that will start next week. Very excited about that. We will, of course, have a preview. Uh, I believe Ryan Wilson and Chris Trapasso and I will preview it for you on Monday morning to get you rolling on everything you need to know about the Combine and what prospects to watch. But we still have lots of off-season content to cover Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you leave a five-star review, we will answer any question you leave. Any question. You can ask me, you can ask me anything and I will answer. Parenting, uh, hair tips, beard growth. Um, you want to ask Debo about his love life. You want to ask, uh, John Breach about being a new parent. You can do any of that. You can even ask, uh, I'll forward along a question to Dave Damashek if you want to. He's joining us today. Could not be more excited at Damashek on Twitter, host of the DDFP. And uh, uh, let's see what days of thunder, good sports. What else, Dave? What else, Sheck? How you doing, buddy? Well, we're hey, what's happening, fella? Yeah, I have many uh, questions that I'd like to throw at you, um, of course. And um, and you're right, I I couldn't be more excited to be joining you and Debo um, your today. Second time, your second time on the podcast, I believe. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it was uh, maybe a year or so ago that we we had the occasion to kibitz. Um, yeah, and and even before we got started here, it's amazing. It really is. I'm not here to shill for pro football, but or maybe I am. Either way, it really is crazy that, like they said, like there's no off season in pro football. It really is crazy that there's no off season in pro football, save maybe about three weeks somewhere in the middle of summertime. That there's always something happening. Whether it's with Drew Brees or some ugliness, um, you know, five, four months after the incident in Cleveland with uh, with Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph, there's always something to kibitz about. I, we barely even have time to talk about our favorite breakfasts, which fortunately we were able to squeeze in before we got rolling here with uh, me, you, and Debo. That well, was. Uh, you- I, I'm glad we we got to compare notes on. Uh, on breakfast and, and feeding our children and so on and so forth. And, and geography in Pennsylvania, yeah, people missed the, the really riveting stuff. It actually was an interesting chat. But uh, if you had to uh, pick one, you get one breakfast, one brunch item for the rest of time. What would you uh, what would you roll with? And it could be it doesn't, wow. have, it doesn't have to be like something generic like pancakes or waffles, but it can be. If there's something specific that you want to go with, that's fine, too. Yeah, you, de- you definitely want to cast a wide net. I think sure. the. I don't like people 
as a rule, I don't like you and I don't want to be your friend. If you're one of those people who tries to trick the hypothetical question and the questioner, like, you know, like the, the classic, would you go for a hundred dollars? Would you go to school nude one morning? And it's like, yeah, I would, but I would do it on a Saturday when no one's there. Like, ah, you stink. You're, you're violating the spirit of the question. Right, you know, like, I like you could say eggs and that would be technically legal. But I mean, now look, that would like, I would, I would press you for something more specific because eggs includes omelets. You know, there's so many different variations on eggs. But if you want to say eggs, I, I, you know, I, or pancakes or waffles, anything's fine. I was just about to ask: Is that tricking? Because I don't want to, I don't want to be a hypocrite and say eggs. But right, like, yeah. So you know, the jerk who wants to ruin even fun hypothetical questions, and really, there. I mean, I don't know what kind of person you are if you have to, if if you need to figure that kind of stuff out. But yeah, just say food. Like food. Ha ha. I got you. I got all food. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you this list. Now, let me work backwards here and I won't try to take up too much time. Yeah. Breakfast meat. I, I think the most underrated at minimum breakfast meat is bone in ham. We forget about bone in ham when people start going with sausage links over sausage patties. In my book, you could get rid of sausage patties altogether and the world wouldn't skip a beat. Um, so I'll, 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 uh, I'll, Sing songs about uh, bone and ham. Eggs. I like a poached egg is uh, fancy, if you please. Um, but I like most any form of an egg. A hash brown can be very nice. Hash brown over home fry. Um, I'm not sure if we're getting where we need to get here. You know what I'll take is a scramble because that's broad enough and that'll be tasty. I'll have some eggs. I'll get some bacon in it. Maybe some days I'll replace it with some sausage link of, uh, you know, spicy. They did. They're doing wonderful things with, with, uh, link meats these days. Really the, it, it, you're limited only by your imagination with what you can get in a, uh, in a link of meat these days. Um, see a scramble, so, a, a scramble is a great answer though, because you have yeah. not, you have not copped out by saying, I will just take eggs. But you have also now incorporated anything you want, like any vegetable. You know what I'm saying? Like and that. Like I might even yeah. say Benedict, or I like I mean, like omelet could be a choice. Like I would. I don't know if I would want to go huevos rancheros, which is something I love because you would be inherently locked into you know a, a certain uh, specific uh, line of food. Like you're gonna have. I don't want to. I don't want to get this early into the conversation. I don't want to get uh, too hot takey, but uh, overrated breakfast item: eggs Benedict. It's too much. The Bernays sauce and everything. Let's say I know it's fancy, but that doesn't make it delicious. So you know, my my wife loves um, eggs Benedict. It's her favorite thing. She loves the hollandaise sauce. I don't care for it. It's way too rich. I like to do a Benedict- hollandaise sauce. Sorry, right? I said Bernays, right? Do Bernays too. I like to do a Benedict where you do an instead of the Bernays sauce, you do an over easy egg and you just pierce the egg and allow the egg to naturally the runny egg to become the sauce itself. And therefore, a mm-hmm. you lose calories, uh, you don't lose any flavor. And I just I don't like the the especially if you're getting like if you're making hollandaise at home. I mean, you're getting a little stir in packet. It's, it's disgusting. Yeah, that well, that's uh, that's exactly right. And I think you're right. Let uh, let nature. Um, take over there with the runny egg. The other thing I'll say is, um, about, uh, in this breakfast related conversation is, uh, that, um, 
I don't understand in a world that has waffles why anybody would eat a pancake. You oh. know, like the 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 it's like it's a weird. It's the same thing as like why would you if you could if you went and you were getting aspirin. I always wonder what kind of low self-esteem you'd have to have to buy regular strength instead of extra strength. Like, why wouldn't you take what's available to you? Um, <laughs> same way, Waffle offers you many cups to hold your syrup. What kind of low self-esteem would lead you to think you don't deserve the cup of syrup? No, I'll just let the syrup run off. of also, um, the, the, waffle, the, the Waffle has the inherent fortitude of not allowing the syrup to immediately pierce the 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 the, the body of the the bread in question, whereas right. a pancake almost if you over syrup, I mean you're getting you're soaked. I mean it's it's drenched. It's not like it cascades over and runs into a pool on the sides. It's going into the bread itself. Uh, and a mm-hmm. waffle allows a little bit more crisp. You can you can tailor it to what you want. Whereas a pancake, you burn it, you're screwed. Yeah, I mean, listen, um, we park our cars in the same garage on the important subject of breakfast, it seems. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you want to continue with uh, breakfast talk for another half hour, let's do it because I'm in. Or if you want to move on to brunch-related issues or lunch-related <laughs> issues. Here's the thing that Debo doesn't know, and I've done the DDFP a, 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 a number. We do it I mean, at least – I know we do it every year when we rank the NFC South quarterbacks, but I've right. done it. I love hopping on with you and talking and convincing uh, with you on various subject matters. What Debo doesn't know is that the combination of you and I leads to because, like, I'm tangenty, you're tangenty. There's some tangents can happen. And Debo, I would presume, expected uh, not to have 15 minutes of non-rundown. Uh, like, it's not on the rundown, the breakfast item discussion. It just sort of came up, and I was curious about it. And now Devo's like, what What the hell is happening? No. So let's get I'll to, hop in and just I, say that's exactly what I expected. All? Exactly what I expected for this conversation. I've been listening to both of you for years. <laughs> what just transpired was what I didn't even need to put on the rundown because I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Devo says he has been listening to you for a long time, Sheck. Uh, so, oh, Devo. Thanks, fella. Yes, kind words from Devo. Um, let's get to the quarterbacks there because this is, uh, this is exciting. First of all, we're going to start with a young, uh, quarterback situation with, uh, Joe Burrow. And you're, uh, you're a man of AFC North sensibility, Sheck. And as you, you've watched, you've watched these teams grow and fall and crumble. Uh, the Ravens moved. Um, the Steelers are always right there and the Bengals and the Browns sort of churning in this, this wake of misery. Do you buy or sell the idea that Joe Burrow would legitimately – an Ohio kid mm-hmm. up in the in the shadows of the skyline chili, would he legitimately uh, try to spurn the Bengals to, to, to pull an Eli Manning? And if he did, would that be a smart move on his part? Well, first of all, don't think I didn't hear you just dangle that juicy one right in front of me about skyline chili, but I am going to show maturity right now and move right past it and not spend 10 minutes on my skyline chili. I mean, that's a, you know what we should do? You should join forces with me. I have done a ranking of the 32 football towns and their, um, their most iconic food stuff. And I've ranked them all. Skyline is near or at the very bottom of that list. Anyway, I I don't want to do it. Let's not do it right now. We don't have time for it. We we talked about this because you actually reached out. You're like, what the hell is the, the, the famous food from Charlotte. Like what is it? It's like, I was like, pull pork, I guess. 
I mean, like, because there's not like, but yeah, I remember you. I remember you doing the ranking, yeah. Maryland best crab cakes, of course, and then Skyline Chili. It should be near the bottom. You're taking spaghetti, you're ruining it, and you're putting it with chili, which is just not a thing that I need to. Yeah, need to go. Yeah, yet. it's really a runny chili, but um, yes, pulled pork as a, a is. Uh, I recently um, arrived with um, with name drop with Adam Carolla. He and I agreed the worst of all barbecued meats is pulled pork. <laughs> I wonder what is the it, it really is very strange uh, choice to shred up some nice pork like that. But hey, I, again, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> my overarching point uh, where the Bengals are concerned or really the AFC North kind of encapsulates this. It's really bizarre that in the age of free agency. And the ability to write the football ship in, you know, two years, basically. You know, we, we see full-on turnarounds from franchises in a couple of years, and in some cases even just one year. It's remarkable that the fortunes of the teams in the AFC North are pretty stable year to year, if you if you break it down. How is it possible that in this age where teams rise and fall like roller coasters, that the Browns just are impervious to that. They stink no matter what. And the Bengals stink almost no matter what. And on the other side of the Ohio-Pennsylvania border, you have the Steelers, generally playoff viable, and so too are the Baltimore Ravens. It's really bizarre. And so I guess you could take the Joe Burrow thing. Um, you, you could see both sides of that coin. Like, wow, what, what do you... What, what, what's the problem here, Joe Burrow? You're an Ohio son. This would be a great thing, except that, oh, yeah, you're an Ohio son, so you're all too familiar with the, the trajectory of the last, you know, 50 years of the Cincinnati Bengals. Why do you want to be a part of that? Um, I do get it. I just don't know exactly what leverage he's talking about that he has, that he's going to no-show, that he's going to sit out a year. Um, I don't, I, I wouldn't be terribly afraid of that if I were the Bengals. Ultimately, he does have to show up, but I do suppose that is a bad message that even an Ohio son does not want to show up and wear our silly striped hat. Um, it, it, it is, uh, I guess that's the leverage of this is going to be a bad look for you if you guys take me and I refuse to show up for you. But I don't think that Mike Brown will be intimidated and uh, say, we better sign him because he's threatening to hold out. I think he'll say, okay, then hold out. I, I think Mike Brown will be invigorated by the idea of another quarterback trying to tell uh, an NFL owner, a prestigious NFL owner, uh, what, what that quarterback can do. I mean, the car, look. All you need to know about the Joe Burrow possibility of holding out is that Carson Palmer demanded a trade and Mike Brown told him to kick rocks and eventually he just had to retire until Hugh Jackson made such a glaring error after Al Davis died. Like Al Davis literally had to die. Hugh Jackson had to uh, fill the void of power left by the, a dead Hall of Fame <laughs> owner and then take over the Raiders front office in there's just no one else to do it. So he just took over and traded first round picks to the, to the Raiders. It was the only way Mike Brown was willing to, to acquiesce to Carson Palmer's demands. Um, and it, it ended up with an eight and eight season. But the point being is that he, he has a, the new CBAs in place. Um, he has the first overall pick. He's not going to back down from Joe Burrow. And I agree completely. I do think 
that the Bengals are trying to play this Andy Dalton thing nicely. This is my conspiracy theory. They're trying to be nice about where Andy Dalton's going next. They're okay helping out Andy Dalton, one of the great players in the, in the franchise history, in order to uh, help facilitate uh, you know, they want to facilitate this to make Joe Burrow think, all right, these guys will play ball and be nice people, uh, even though they, they, they ultimately might not be. I, I, it is weird. We, interesting. We, That's an interesting little theory that, uh, yes, that, uh, we'll show our humanity and yeah, we'll look, impress, we'll, uh, we'll Joe Burrow. Quarterbacks. Of course, Joe. Come on. Like, don't worry about it. But like, I think it's interesting. So if you, you're not, I mean, I'm trying to think of, it's, because you're you don't really qualify because you're from Pittsburgh, so like you wouldn't be going back to save the Steelers if you were drafted first overall. But like, should there be an an onus on Joe Burrow to be the local guy to go save the franchise, or should you just be like, nah, I'm I'm good? You know, like I when- mean, as a larger exercise, I would love to see, and of course, obviously. Uh, the players union and otherwise would, would, uh, prevent any fun stuff like this. We can't even get, you're probably even too young. Debo certainly is to remember the superstars competition on ABC where the world's best athletes like Tony Dorsett and Lynn Swan and, uh, Al Unzer Jr. and guys like that would all compete in a series of sporting events against each other. I submit that it would be awesome, much like the old original six in hockey, if you know the original six. They used to, I mean, that's one of the weirdest stretches in sports history, in American sports, by the way, or Canadian, North American sports. It wasn't a brief time that there were six total teams in the NHL, six total, would play each other to win one Stanley Cup every year. And it lasted for 25 years, this went on, for a quarter century. There are only six teams in the NHL. And the wrinkle is, you may wonder, why did the Canadians win an outsized percentage of those? It's because they had, because the rule was you had negotiating rights with players who hailed from within, I think, 50 miles of city center. So obviously the Canadians in Toronto and Detroit, which is right on the Canadian border, had the leg up on Boston, New York. And Chicago, ergo, the Canadians won a ton of Stanley Cups in that 25-year window. Stealing from that, I would love if the NFL would do a thing where, like, yeah, let's see how all the rosters shake out if you assign guys to within, let's say, 50 miles of city center and see what the rosters would look at would look like. I do think that Joe Burrow, you would think under normal circumstances, would love the chance to go and be um, as a son of Ohio, kind of like LeBron James with the Cavs. You would yeah. think that would be grand. The only problem with that is – he probably is fully aware, uh, or uh, no doubt is fully aware, that his team is a punchline even within the division. I mean, the the race for them, as much as they've tried to perpetuate some sort of a rivalry with the Steelers and Ravens, really, water finds its level, and the two teams in orange hats in the state of Ohio are each other's peers, and Joe Burrow probably just wants nothing to do with that. Was that a long and... Uh, and uh, rangy enough answer for you, a circuitous way to get to an answer for, for, no, I think, uh, I think for a part, simple I question? Think like, I think, like, it's like a high school thing. You know, if you were assigned to the Bengals, then, yeah, he's going to go try and save the Bengals. But, you know, if if it were if this were a free market and Joe Burrow was the top available empo- potential employee in the football market, as it were, um, and the, the 32 companies were vying for his services, I don't think he'd end up with the Bengals. 
A, because they're too cheap to pay him. And B, he's right. like, I'm going to the team that, you know, I know I'm from, I know I'm from Ohio. It doesn't mean I have to go save the Bengals. Um, but so- I'll tell you, the other thing is, the other consideration is, and yes, again, if you're leaning on the, well, he's an Ohio guy and what a neat story that is, that's already gotten sideways. I mean, he could have cl- cleared that up at any point in the last few days or before it even caught fire by saying like, well, I grew up here. What a thrill it would be to be in the shadow, you know, all that stuff. And he's going the opposite of that. The other question is though, when you set that aside is, is everybody sure that Joe Burrow is the better NFL QB than Tua? Mm. Uh, no, I don't think anybody's sure. I think it's insane. I'm- suggest that we might know. Yeah, it, this one does feel close to me as opposed to some other ones that uh, that felt fairly obvious with uh, with some of those debates over the years. I mean, to me, it seemed pretty clear having watched Jameis and Mariota. As it turns out, they're kind of pretty. I guess they're pretty close in terms of who but, you'd rather have on your. I guess Jameis would be take Jameis. the narrow. Yeah, Jameis uh, on points, though. You wouldn't uh, necessarily consider it a knockout that Jameis has delivered to Mariota, um, although Vrabel did kind of knock out Mariota. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about this one. And in this case, I think I'd rather be the team on the uh, who gets whatever is left over because this is going to be a tough call. The Bengals are going to have to make that choice, and, and, and they seem pretty pot committed to Joe Burrow. But as this – continues with Burrow giving them the hi-hat potentially. I wonder if then they start to back off that. It, it was just assumed somewhere in December that Joe Burrow was naturally going to the Bengals when it became clear the Bengals were going to be the, the first overall pick. But as two as medicals and whatever seem to be more optimistic, I want, you know, they, they need to back off. Like, yes, it is Burrow or bust. They should be, you know, they should be entertaining the thought of Tua because that I, impacts I, Burrow as well. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like we talk about how quickly Heisman races and MVP races flip. I mean, Burrow and Tua were Tua was head and shoulders above Burrow before LSU and Alabama played in whatever it was. I guess October. LSU wins. Burrow's getting more steam. Uh, then Tua gets hurt. LSU takes off and keeps winning. Two is, you know, on the sidelines the whole time. The Bengals beat the, the, the Dolphins beat the Bengals in overtime down in South Beach to get the Bengals the number one pick. And it's like, well, they have to take Burrow now. It's like, they don't, they could still take Chase Young if they want. Take Chase Young, take the Ohio, he's another Ohio guy. You can't take that Ohio guy and plug him onto your team and just worry about the quarterback later. I, I don't know. It, it is, it is weird. Well, we've reached, we've also more or less, like I said, a half decade or so ago that it's weird <laughs> in a world of seven billion people that we can't find 32 guys to successfully play um, NFL QB. And more or less, the football gods have responded. And we're pretty close to QB saturation in the NFL. That's not to suggest that everybody is Hall of Fame worthy. But, you know, outside of a Case Keenum or two here or there, you have pretty decent QB in all over the league, and the rules have helped that out as well. But there is talent and the ubiquity of it, I wonder when all the GMs are going to start to realize we don't have to be that desperate to be a QB, to get a QB. But then there's also the different level of, you know, somewhere between two to six-ish guys that actually can win games no matter what the talent level is around them in the NFL. And that combined with what we just saw from Patrick Mahomes, who... 
you know, people are rewriting history a little bit in Chicago. I just was talking to Kyle Long on my show, Name Drop Again. Very um, good show, by the way. I checked that out. Kyle Long was uh, incredibly uh, forthright with his – more or less of his comments about the – he didn't want to bury the Bears or anything. But I thought – I just thought he was very open about sort of what had happened in Chicago. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, he was pretty clear. I mean, I thought that was a great line. By him, like, hey, um, Mitchell, if you want to stop hearing the comps, you better uh, get over that because they ain't going to stop. They're going to keep going. You better f- come up with your own go, memories. Go win, go win some guys over to your side. That's what you got to do. Yeah, that was. I thought that was great stuff. But, yeah, people have a little 2020 hindsight with, like, the Bears should have taken Mahomes. Well, the universe wasn't all in on Mahomes. There were a couple few teams that were. But Deshaun Watson would have made some sense, obviously. But given what Mahomes has done now, um, I, I, you know, love is going to be that I mean, between Mahomes and Josh Allen, you know, that the egos that populate the, the GM gigs and the offensive coordinator gigs in, in the NFL are going, some percentage of those guys are going to be seduced by what they see from love. And they're going to try to get him and see if, if he's the next one, this, this raw guy, he's not all the way there, but if you, if you coach him up just right, he might be the most talented in the class. Somebody is going to reach for him. He will go in the top 15 picks. I would almost, I, I would bet almost anything that that's going to end up being the way it shakes out there. And so to your point, yeah, if Chase Young is definitely can't miss, the problem with that is though, Quinn and Williams was also considered can't miss. He's the one guy who, no matter where you pick, if you get him, man, you got the guarantee of the of the first round in 2019. And he kind of wasn't great um, in his first year. But anyway, um, there there are a ton of good QBs to be had there. I think it it's not crazy to say that maybe Chase Young is the guy that they should take or vacate that spot and, um, you know, and make the Dolphins trade up to get it or risk losing him, you know, to, I don't know, to the Chargers maybe trying to jump up and fill that slot or, or, or another one of those teams in the top 10. Well, see, this is what makes it so fascinating is that all of this stuff is happening with the draft. And you're right, there is like quarterback saturation to a degree. But because we have Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning just left and Tom Brady's leaving soon and Drew Brees is leaving soon. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is getting older. There are all these guys that are going to be phased out eventually. And, and hopefully we continue to get young talent in to replace him. So we don't end up back in that, you know, 80, 1980s quarterback situation and nineties quarterback situation that we found ourselves in. Um, I am curious what you think about, uh, not to leap ahead on our list here, but, but the quarterback, because the free agency market is going to inherently determine what happens in the draft to some degree or vice versa. If the Chargers have their heart set on Justin Herbert or Jordan Love, they're not going to pursue Tom Brady with the vigor that they might. Uh, Tom Curran reports, um, by the way, Tom Curran, sneaky, funny writer, as I pointed out. I, I, hmm. he, uh, Tom Curran always puts something funny in his in his articles, if you read them, it on NBC Sports uh, uh, Boston, for instance, in here it is in parentheses. Skip on down if you don't want the business. Blah blah, talking about like the business of uh, of 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 you know the, the contractual problems with Tom Brady. But he reports that Brady quote may try to set up meetings at one location instead of creating a circus. End quote. So Shaq, a two part question for you: um, one, if you were setting up 
your meetings at a centralized location, mm. hypothetically, where would that centralized location be? And then two, um, where do you, what do you see happening with Tom Brady? Feel free to, I, I, I'm bad about asking two part questions. So I apologize. I, well, listen, I feel like I led the way a few months ago by saying Tom Brady to the Chargers makes all the sense in the world. Now I back off that as everybody else is now in on Tom Brady to the Chargers. And there's some uh, smoke from some people that Tom Brady to the Cowboys now makes some sense. The problem with that is um, that a, a lot of uh, my opinion, at least, was was based around the assumption that Josh McDaniels was going to go somewhere. I thought that maybe he would go to the Cowboys, and it would make a lot of sense. Um, and either way, if Josh McDaniels took a head coaching job somewhere – um, and, and basically then heralded the beginning of, uh, you know, the, the dissolution of the 21st century dynasty of the Patriots that then Brady would be incentive. Well, why am I going to stay here given the state of the Patriots? But, you know, it's also interesting to remember that talk about victims of your own success. The Patriots went 12 and four and were it not for that ridiculous, hard to explain, getting Fitz magic on the last drive in week 17, they would have been the second seed and you can cobble together uh, a situation where that leaves the Ravens at worst hosting the title game against either the Patriots or the chiefs in Baltimore in what would have been a cold day in Baltimore. And then um, that presumably would have favored uh, Lamar Jackson in the run game there. Um, but I'm getting distracted now. Um <laughs> I think so. Josh McDaniels there. The the practical requirement of Tom Brady leaving versus staying in New England is, as explained to me by the third name drop uh, today, uh, David Carr. Uh, David Carr said it doesn't make sense for Brady to leave in that he clearly likes his free time, his family time, his other exploits, TB12 and all that stuff. First of all, the TB12 stuff is is apparently pretty big to him and a lot of Patriots run through the facility and all that kind of stuff, his little facility and everything. I don't know exactly what happens with that. If he's in, you know, in Los Angeles or otherwise. Um, but in football terms, he, he does nothing in the off season. He shows up a couple of days, um, during the off season to the facility and whatever. If he, has to go to, you know, if he goes to the Chargers, he's going to have to be a full participant in OTAs and all that stuff. I don't know. Maybe he'd be reinvigorated by all that stuff. Um, but that is going to be a major difference in commitment of work, even, you know, learn, getting, you know, obviously, um, he's a going perfectionist for that. The Chargers would be a wholesale life change. Right. And, in, you know, like, yeah, he'd still have to get on the, like, uh, yeah, you get spend the off season with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and getting on the same page and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, like, that's always been my argument against Brady going to not the Chargers specifically, but somewhere else. Like, you have this perfectly crafted slam dunk Hall of Fame resume that cannot be tarnished by anything. I mean, like, you could you could go four and twelve for the final three years of your career, and and it would it, it would be a little speck on the. On the, on the, on the, on the statue, maybe, but I mean, like, no, it's not going to tarnish what Tom Brady did with the Patriots. You can do that in New England and people would be fine with it. Maybe that maybe Patriots fans freak out a little bit, but like, it's almost impossible to hurt your case as the greatest of all time in the final two years, two to three years of your career. If you stay in New England, if you go to Los Angeles, 
and Bill Belichick wins a Super Bowl while the Chargers are going five and eleven, um, and you're getting you know blitzkrieg behind a porous offensive line. I feel like it would at least be a little. It would be like a little. Oh, Brinson, you're gonna get a lot of hate tweets from the New England region of uh, these United States. I mean, yeah, don't you bring don't us so? You bring us to the crux of the matter. This is something that I have gone on and on about for the last uh, couple of years, really. And I love talking to our mutual pals who are Patriots guys and otherwise about exactly the dynamic you describe here. Um, people say, well, of course, I'm going to I'd root for the Patriots no matter what. But but deal with this scenario in 10 months, Patriots fans. It's um it's the wild card round or let's say the mm-hmm. divisional round and it is uh Tom Brady's Chargers playing Andy Dalton's Patriots um for a trip to the title. Let, you know what? Let's make it for the Super Bowl. Let's say it's Andy Dalton's Patriots against Tom Brady's Chargers. Are you definitely rooting for the Patriots in that game? Are you or are you because this is this is a pretty distinct and and uh, severe example of the of what happens in the free agency era um tom brady is the reason along with belichick is the reason you have all your rings this is not um you know being a cowboys fan where you know you've had uh, you know Staubach or aikman or the oh well do you like steve young or joe montana or kaepernick or what it's did Jimmy all, Dean get to this? all this tom is brady. all tom brady and it's not even other play- it's not even like you're a niners fan it's like well, also Ronnie Lott, you got to say Ronnie. Like, no, no, this is there. There are two figures, and that's it. Central to this whole thing, along with the owner Bob Kraft. Yes. Um, Tom Brady delivered all six of those Lombardis. So, are you sure? Especially if you're like, let's say you're a 35 year old, you grew up knowing nothing but the success of Tom Brady's Patriots. Are you really going to start rooting for Andy Dalton's Patriots to vanquish Tom Brady? And as you say, clearly denting his legacy. I don't want to make too big a deal about Matt Castle season, but nothing has done more damage to Tom Brady's legacy as it will be in 10 years or 20 years. Not Nick Foles, not Joe Flacco, not anybody else, not Eli. It is that season by Matt Castle that makes you say, huh, wonder if we could have, who else we might have been able to drop in there. And and had the same level of success. It's hard to play that same game with the '80s Niners and Joe Montana, or really any you know that that playing that game is more difficult. It's a straight line of what Tom Brady has meant to these Patriots, and so I do wonder. Um, I, I think that Patriots fans are trying. They're trying to rationalize, like, okay, we've had a great run with Brady. If he wants to move on. Yeah, the problem is, is if the what you want, if you're a Patriots fan in 2020, is if the if Tom Brady does leave, you want the team to have a losing record. Otherwise, it does dent Tom Brady's um, legacy as the as the goat. Well, you want the Patriots to have a losing record, right? I'm sorry, you want Patriots to mm. yes, because otherwise it's like why? Well, I, well, listen, I love the Patriots. Okay, so in other words, what you're really going to be hanging your hat on is a coach. And that seems not very much fun. Like <laughs> Belichick coach is good. Like that's what that's your point of pride as a football fan. Eh, well, not see, that, that exciting. That, 
that to me is the that to me is the crux and it is the problem for Bill Belichick and for Tom Brady. Like I think both of these guys because this is just human nature, Dave. I mean, like you want to try and go out and prove that you can win outside of the realm in which you have existed. In this case, for Tom Brady or Bill Belichick, you know, with with the other person involved. At the same time, there has to be some trepidation on both parts. Like Belichick has to think, I mean, Belichick has to know he can win without Tom Brady because again, he did it with Matt Castle, but like, it's not like the Patriots roster is loaded and getting Andy Dalton, and by the way, Andy Dalton, if you bring him in, $17.7 million cap hit, but no dead money. Tom Brady would then have a $13.5 million dead cap hit hold. That's $30 million, a number we've heard mentioned by the Patriots in, in mm. reports. Um, if you, if you bring in Andy Dalton and, you fail spectacularly and Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl with the Chargers. Bill Belichick, who's still the greatest coach of all time, would have his reputation tarnished. And if Tom Brady goes 5-11 and with the Chargers and Bill Belichick wins a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton, Tom Brady, who is still the greatest of all time, will have his reputation tarnished. That's just – there is some – you know, there is a darkest timeline for whoever – you know, whoever ends you up. Don't, you don't need to even to, to be a nice guy. You don't even have to put those asterisks next to him. Oh, still the greatest of all time. No, right. that is not. That would not be the case anymore. And I don't care who wants to argue with me about. It. Oh, you don't know. You don't get it, uh, silly man. That's exactly what it is. They give out the one Lombardi and only one Lombardi every year for a reason. These people who talk about that the QB wins isn't a statistic. I mean, obviously, a safety or the left guard isn't as um, isn't as important as the quarterback is obviously and if and if they were then they would make as much money as the quarterbacks make um, and uh, that's exactly right if you they are you there's a reason why McCartney and Lennon broke up everybody is like everybody has that in them to yeah, I want to see what happens when I go on my own and I've talked, here's your fourth name drop, Willie McGinnis, who knows Belichick and Brady and has the respect of those two guys as much as anybody in the football world. True. And I have talked to him about this very subject, and he's, and he's fascinating about it. He says his prediction is that they both, yes, they both feel that. And the reason that there wasn't a divorce three, what was that, two years ago, three years ago, around the trade of Jimmy G when Bob Kraft sided with Tom Brady and the Seth Belichick and all that. Yeah. Right. And, Ve- and Belichick was vexed by Kraft siding with Brady and the, the things were headed in a bad direction. And Kraft apparently said the three of us sit down and we do not leave until we resolve this because this franchise is you too. We, we are running. We're going to continue this run for as long as we can continue this run and Willie predicts that that will be the same thing this time around. And Brady will ultimately say, as much as they may respectively be tempted to see what happens if they go, if they make a go of it without each other, that Tom Brady will say, one more year, we're all together. McDaniels goes off after this season. Um, we all go in our separate ways, but we make one last run at it. We cannot end it the way we ended it this year, which. Reminder was twelve and four and a whisker away from thirteen and three, so the sky doesn't have to be falling. And really, if Brady says, "Give me what I need," let me have a stronger hand in personnel because I'm out there 
And that's something that he usually has been deferential about, apparently, by by most accounts, is that you would think, unlike Michael Jordan in his heyday with the Bulls, apparently Tom Brady is kind of like, you know, he does, he he is more passive, ironically passive, Tom Brady, court three, throws it, you see, passive. But anyhow. He lets the, he he trusts Bill Belichick and Nick Casario and Scott Pioli or whoever else was in the front office to put him. Take care of it. Um, And, and, And here's the easy solution as far as I'm concerned. Um, Hunter Henry, if they, go get Hunter Henry, which is such a Patriots kind of a signing anyway, because he'll be a little undervalued because of all the injuries, but the injuries are not the kind that are, um, ah, he's, he's a diminished version of himself. He's had some, some bad luck with injuries and he would be, um, you know, he is essentially a poor man's Gronk in that he is both a great pass catcher and a great uh, run blocker. And it is remarkable, too, that the year drop-off, they go from the greatest tight end in the history of football to having, I mean, they decided Ben Watt, they they had a a 73-year-old man with a ruptured Achilles taking taking five snaps a game. Who was suspended four games, too. Let's not forget that. They had literally, they went from the greatest tight end of all time to zero tight end, and they went 12-4. and So, again, the sky's not falling. I also resent all the people who have graded Tom Brady's 2019 on a curve. Like, well, who did he have to throw to? I'm, I, I, by the way, I just have to say this as a, 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 as a, as an aside in, in defense of, um, Duck Hodges, um, the great Duck Hodges experience in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Who, who's Tom Brady throwing it to? Um, the reigning Super Bowl MVP, Julian Edelman, and the first round draft pick in Nikhil Harry and, at least combine specimen Muhammad Sanu, like uh, the cupboard ain't bare for the so-called goat. Doug Hodges is throwing to a lot less in 2019 than the goat is throwing to. So let's settle down about poor Tom Brady, the, the, what, what he's been handed, uh, last year. But either way, you still will have another year of Harry, a loaded wide receiver draft by all the, uh, the scouting experts. And like I say, if you can replace the non-existent tight end with someone like Hunter Henry, that team is right there. I mean, they're right there again. Then the creep of the AFC East, if you buy and you're optimistic that the Bills are in a one-year wonder and maybe the Jets will be okay, maybe that's what uh, brings them back down to earth. But otherwise, if Brady goes back there, let's not get crazy about the Patriots are junk now. They're going to be just fine. They'll be a player um, in 2020 so long as they get 12 for one more year. And ultimately... I Tom Brady, I think, is going to look around like we can do right now and say, can the Chargers really fix that offensive line as thoroughly as they need to? Um, are the Cowboys really going to be able to attract the pass catchers that I need to be successful? I guess the Colts make some sense. They make a lot of sense I, I, if you think about the offensive line. But you're really winnowing it down as you start to go through it with what the real options are to to win a Super Bowl, and I assume that's what Tom Brady is in it for in 2020. No, I agree. I agree completely. All right, we're going to take a uh, a quick break, and when we come back, we will discuss whether those Patriots can be upended by another AFC contender with an elderly quarterback, one Ben Roethlisberger. Oh. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. 
With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so we, of course, we have Dave Davishek on the podcast. We're going to talk freaking Steelers. Um, do you do you ever feel like you get pigeonholed, Dave? Because I get pigeonholed sometimes with the... Not not pigeonhole with the Panthers, but like if the Panthers are good or the Panthers are in the news, it it bumps my profile up a little bit. Like John Breach, or my colleague, lives in Tennessee, lives in Nashville, and when the Titans made their run to the AFC Championship game, Breach's profile was boosted because people were like, "Oh, you're in Nashville, you're close to the team." Like I don't even live, I don't even live close to the you know the Panthers. Like I'm like three hours away, but whatever. I'm in mean, Carolina, it boosted, and and I know the Panthers very well. But like, do you ever feel like you get pigeonholed on the Steelers, or do you just embrace the Steelers? I embrace it. I'm not going to do one of those uh, things of like, I'm on ER and the show is booming and it's really, uh, it's really going great. But now I'm going to break out and become a, uh, a feature actor. Like that's exactly <laughs> what we were just talking about um, with the, the human um, urge to see, let me see if I can take this somewhere else is not all. I mean, the grass is always greener. Um, is, is, is one of the great cliches to hold on to because so many of them don't really make much sense, uh, when, when you, um, break it down. Like, um, like when they say, like, he wants to have his cake and eat it too, as though that's gluttonous. Like, I gave Will Brinson a cake and you know what that pig did? He ate it. You know? Can you imagine? I gave him a cake. <laughs> like, what, well, that what's, isn't that why you gave me the cake was so I would eat it? Like, it should be, he wants to have his cake and some pie. Now that's gluttonous. You understand what I mean? But anyway, sidetracked. Um, well, what do you? What, I do uh, think I, I appreciate it. I, I I will have my cake and eat it too, where the Steelers are concerned. I enjoy watching them, and the only thing that uh, the, the 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 onus is really on the audience to not express the pervasive. Um, vapid cynicism that plagues 21st century society with oh you're biased you think that because you're a Steelers fan I'm not I'm not 11 years old I I I can distinguish between what I'd like to see happen and what I think will happen with things so um yes I embrace um you know the the Steeler talking when they're good or when uh the Antonio Brown melodrama was really um blowing up big a year ago um yeah I was I was feeling a lot more um, interview requests and everything um, well, around well, the country a, with that. What about when uh, our mutual friend Mina Kimes interviews Miles Garrett and he alleges once again that Mason Rudolph, the backup quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, used a uh, racial slur? Do you? I mean, to to me, like I understand this is difficult because, um, like, as a you know, look, I understand the complications of our society and as a you know, a white man living in the South. I understand that I'm not the person who's out there, you know, with the, like, like I'm not, I'm not out here casting judgment on claims of racism in, in society. Like I'm not the, I'm not the final arbiter of this. I understand that. But I do feel like 
to me with the Miles Garrett thing, it is bizarre that that Mason Rudolph would allegedly have set, used a racial slur and that the only person on the field that would have heard it uh, would be Miles Garrett. Do you agree with that? Again, you know, talking about 21st century society, we are plagued by conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. But this one just plain holds no water. Obviously, if Mason Rudolph said what Miles Garrett, I I don't know that we know exactly what he's, but a racial slur out there on the field. If that happened, then, you know, because uh, I, I don't want to get up on Mount Pius about it, but I wouldn't want him on the Steelers. And by the way, I'm quite certain that Mike Tomlin wouldn't want him on the Steelers either. Correct. And I don't think Mar- Marquise Pouncey is going out there and throwing hands around because he cares more about black and gold than he does um, uh, about um, black and whether a black person is being called a racial slur by Mason Rudolph. Um it just doesn't check out. And the main, the two main pieces of evidence, you know, again, like they say, if there isn't direct evidence of something, if there isn't a recording of it or otherwise, you are allowed in the legal sense to apply common sense. And common sense tells you that there is no, there's just nothing there to this. Mason Rudolph, who went so crazy out on the field, swinging a helmet And by the way, if you remember the malice in the palace, Jermaine O'Neal goes, uh, you know, amidst the, you know, all the stuff with Ron Artest and everything. If Jermaine O'Neal, Jermaine O'Neal goes, he approaches some dope who walked out onto the court and he goes to deliver a haymaker of all haymakers. And as Jermaine O'Neal goes to deliver the punch, um, he his foot hits some sweat or something and he slips and he doesn't connect with the guy. If he had connected with the guy, he would have messed that guy up, but good. And then Jermaine O'Neal would have been the villain, not Ron Artest. If Miles, if Miles Garrett had hit him with the wrong part of the helmet or the right oh, part, the part that and, he intended to hit him with. And splits his head open, which easily could Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine if he's I'm, not even long-term damage, but what if he cracks his skull? What if he, what if he just, you know, it's a, it's a flesh wound, but he just starts pouring blood all over the place, Mason Rudolph, on his white jersey. That would have been, the, the scandal would have been tenfold. And, you know, obviously if he does legitimate damage to him, who, who, who can even fathom where it goes from there? But as it is, he goes so crazy out on the field and can't control himself. 20 minutes later, the same human being is in the locker room and decides, yeah, it's not good for the league if I say anything about this. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go any further about it. Then the next is that's evidence one. Then two is he issues without any asides about, well, Mason Rudolph, he started it kind of thing. It was a straight up apology to Mason Rudolph and the Steelers and left it at that. That doesn't come up at any point. By the way, since the interview with our pal uh, Mina Kimes, no Browns player, no one in the organization has come out to say, well, I know, I know that Mason Rudolph said that. Everybody, including Mike Tomlin, has come to to Mason Rudolph's defense. Do you suppose that's just because he wears a logo on one side of his helmet? Of course that's not true. Do you think that these people are so soulless that they're going to – This is, and by the way – if you want to buy the cynicism of, uh, you know, too many fans in my book, 
care way too much about the league. Way, fans are way too big on like the the stuff that impacts you know major corporations and billion dollar uh, franchises and everything else. It's like when the NBA finals are going on and they're like, oh, huh, they're, they're not going to like it very much if uh, if the Milwaukee Bucks get to the finals. That'll be bad for what? What do you care? We don't worry about what the ratings <laughs> are. Just watch the game. Um, same thing, like, oh, then it's not good for the NFL if uh, Mason Rudolph said that. What's worse for the NFL? For Miles Garrett to be a liar or for Mason? Or do you, do you think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to rally around the backup QB, that they're going to go to the wall to defend the backup QB, like that the NFL is going to bury tapes or lose tapes to defend the backup QB instead of their superstar um, Former face of the franchise along with Baker Mayfield. There's no there. That makes no sense even on that level. Yeah, the Steelers, the Steelers would be fine. But I mean, like they, I mean, like if, if, if something happened to Mason Rudolph or he did something, and like he said something, he actually said something, and there were tapes of it. The Steelers wouldn't care. They don't. I mean, they, they're happy Mason Rudolph's on the team, but it's not like he helped them win a lot of the games. He got benched for Duncan Hodges. Like, come on. Of course, that's true. This and, and and you know, listen. Look at who the Rooney family is and what they've done in pro football and out. Do you really think that the Rooney family, if they had even a whisker of evidence, do you think that they would abide by somebody on the team? Doing yeah. that, they, they, it doesn't make any sense. And the original point, nobody heard that. And by the way, watch the play because again, Miles Garrett says that it happened as he's taking Mason Rudolph to the ground. I mean, listen, I haven't played pro sports, but I played sports. When you're in the middle of like a physical, like, like, do you start saying, talking trash in that moment? Yeah. Like, you can't. You, you physically can't even do that if somebody's and that none of it makes any sense. Miles Garrett is seizing on something that is plausible because of stuff that Mason Rudolph I, I don't know that this is the case, but if we're gonna get into conspiracy theories, maybe somebody said, you know, you could get away with saying that Mason Rudolph said that. And on that level, that makes Miles Garrett a a bad guy or whoever I, you know, and listen, he has no greater character witness than Chris Long. I don't know that you could have anybody, um, you know, Chris Long, he of, of the, uh, of the marvelous, uh, greatest image of the 21st century in football, my book, he uh, putting his arm around Malcolm Jenkins. Oh, the Malcolm Jenkins thing. Okay. I was like, the Chris underdogs, Long put, really. right, wait, which one were you going to say? I thought you were going to say the underdogs and him and uh, Lane Johnson. Oh no, no. Wait, putting his arm around the... Malcolm yeah. Jenkins is yeah. Malcolm Jenkins raises fist. That show of unity yes. um, was, uh, was, was really quite a thing I thought, but um, you know, Chris and, Long and, will and tell and you. And the fantastic, uh, the green light pod. That he does. Right, yeah, of course. Of course. Yes. Um, now, d- now and, check, you can't get out of here if you don't mention uh, Howie Long as well. You have to make sure that you name drop Howie Long before we get done with the show to complete well, I, the I, long triumvirate. Uh, you know what? I've never had the occasion to meet Howie, but his Me kids either. speak highly of him. And uh, um, he, raised I, good, we, he raised some good boys. Well, we've made some great progress. Um, I'm talking to you, of course, from Los Angeles in the shadow of Hollywood. So it makes sense for me to to let you know. We are in the early stages of a remake of Broken Arrow. And that, yeah, it's uh, Chris is going to play the Christian Slater role. And Kyle is going to play the John Travolta role. 
and um, how he's going to reprise his role as himself. And um, and Kyle's going to wear the Travolta wig. And as it happens, you know, here's your fifth and final name drop of the podcast (laughs) is Jimmy Kimmel. I went to the Super Bowl with him in New Orleans when the Patriots dynasty began, when they beat the Rams. I was excited to be going because I assumed it was going to be the Steelers and the Rams. And I don't want to get into that uh, sorrowful tale now. But um, that week, Jimmy was legitimately a little worried because it had because Kimmel was rounding out his gig with Fox do, doing the pregame picks and the little comedy bits where he would smart Alec. Bradshaw, Jimmy Johnson, and Howie Long. And now, um, now, by the way, now ironically taken over by his cousin, cousin exactly. Sal, who does that. I don't know if that counts as irony. Uh, I think that not even a coincidence. I think that was, uh, but anyway, I, 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 nepotistically. Yes. Um, yeah, there, there you go. Uh, no, Sal, uh, one of the all time great fellas that, uh, that you'll ever know. Oh, you know Sal a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's marvelous. Um, uh, he had, he had someday you should get him on and he can tell you his own tale of that game and that weekend <laughs> in new Orleans. But that game, I sat next to him, um, after he had, uh, he'd gotten things wrong. In oh, he the, wagered the a substantial sum on the Rams, right? So then he, he was going to make it back at the Super Bowl, And, uh, I don't think it worked out that time either, but anyway, I'll let him tell you that whole story. But anyhow, um, Jimmy was a little worried. And because it had made made the rounds in Fox that Howie was quite miffed with Kimmel. And in fact, he said, keep Kimmel away from me or I'm going to knock his block off or I'm going to or I'm going to kill him or something like, you know, very threatening that uh, Howie Long would be capable of executing um, against Jimmy Kimmel. And uh and so Jimmy, we so I asked both Chris and Kyle about this. They's like, no, 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 Howie never brought up Jimmy to us. The guy who the who Howie, I'm I'm sorry, who Kyle and Chris both have it in for Christian Slater because when they were little kids and Broken Arrow came out, they had a hard time reconciling their superhero father getting kicked off a train by Christian Slater. So they're <laughs> so so they're very upset and they're and they're anxious to redeem their old man by doing this, by, by doing a movie reboot. So look for that at some point this off season. We're uh, directed by Damashek. I think we're, uh, we're going to try to remake broken arrow at some point soon. There were, D was going to kill me. We, uh, but there was a stretch of nineties action movies that, I mean, like, I don't know how they hold up. I need to go back and watch them again. I love them for the sentimentality of it. Like, whether it was like Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone, uh, Broken Arrow, obviously Face Off, you know, one of those, you know, um, but this just this, uh, Demolition Man probably qualifies in there somewhere, like a, a, a post apocalyptic type of vibe to it. But like this stretch of 90s movies that were just pure, unadulterated, like action cheese. And they were, I, I mean, like they were growing up with those on, you know, whether you're in your teens or your twenties, I mean, it was just delightful to have around and they just don't make that as much anymore. No, they go, they go like, uh, um, the shape you know, of water. You got it. Right. They've continued. Oh, right. That's not one. Right. Yes. Now the, the eighties more or less start with, they're like, okay, the space stuff, star Wars, 
Then they spin him off, and it's the greatest uninterrupted streak, which is what a streak is, a consecutive streak, is I contend that um, Harrison Ford has the greatest actor streak in movie history. He goes, um, what, exactly how does it go? I think it goes. Um, Star Empire. Wars to Indiana Jones. No, I think it goes, I think it goes Empire. I think it goes, yeah, I think it goes Raiders, Empire, um, Blade Runner. Imagine I brought it up real quick. It's Empire, then Raiders, then Blade Runner, then Jedi, and then Temple of Doom, which is just it's... then. Then he plays John Book in Witness. Oh yeah, you're right. What a run! But I mean, if if you were an actor and you got to play Han Solo or Rick Deckard. Or Indiana Jones, your life would be made. He played them in three consecutive movies, Han Solo. And, I don't know then, what we're talking about anymore. Wow, but, where'd we? Oh, the movies. But then, but so then, he, the, then he came back like like ten years later, and he's just Jack Ryan. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. He plays Jack Ryan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no career better than Harrison Ford's. I don't care what what argument you want to try to try to offer up. That's the greatest. Um, but so you get Indiana Jones and they're like, okay, so we like that kind of role. Then you get Die Hard. Then you get Roadhouse yeah. and, and all that happens in the eighties. Um, and you get Red Dawn. Swayze, powerhouse action hero, Dirty Dancing gets, and Ghosts get the headlines for a lot of people. But go back, you know, you go Red Dawn, Roadhouse and, uh, The Outsiders. I mean, that's a pretty, uh, Pretty powerful trilogy right there, too. But anyhow, so Roadhouse redefines the possibilities. You know, the best cooler in the business, you know, the, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then that's at the that's in 1989. And then you're right in the 90s. Things really, really take off because now you're into the lethal weapon um, sequels yeah. after that. And, uh, it, it was really a glorious run and a, and a great time to be growing up. I'm with you a hundred percent. Um, all right. Very quickly. I'm told we have, uh, six minutes or so, but that, that's very quickly in our book. It's, uh, you know, you do radio hits. You're like, I got 30 seconds for you. You're like, well, why don't you just let me go? I don't need to do it 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I can't answer your question in 30 seconds. Why are you, you know, it's going to take me 90 seconds. Um, Oh, that's why, you know, radio, that's as after a podcast, my advice, by the way, any radio uh, person who wants to hire me, I'll, I'll, I'll consider it. But I will say um, radio is a tough bit after the podcasting experience because the uh. radio, I go in and I sit in with people on the radio. It's like, man, you barely are like, hey, we're back on the show. And by the time I finish explaining what we were just talking about before the break, it's time to go to break again. It's the I worst. I can't fathom the idea of in an age of podcast. And no offense to people who do sports no, radio, right. but like I can't fathom having the ability to use Bluetooth in my automobile and instead choosing to listen to radio. I guess if it's like a, a specific program that you're used to, like Adam and Joe uh, locally here in Raleigh, uh, they they're not like strict sports radio. So like I can listen to them driving around, and then like. You know, I think if you lived in like Pittsburgh or Seattle or Philadelphia, you know, a major sports market with a great host, that's a, you know, that's a different situation. Um, so I, mean, I guess I get, I get it, but like the idea that you could just listen to whatever you want without commercials and without the co constraints of 
you know, time breaks and all that. To me, I, I vastly prefer the podcast medium. I agree, uh, but now we're down to three minutes and 45 seconds. Left. <laughs> that's, it. that's right. Uh, whereas somebody, the, the radio guy would have, he would have, he would have gone straight to the question is what, where are you at with Big Ben? I mean, clearly one of the, the, maybe the greatest, I don't know if he's the greatest stealer of all time, the best stealers quarterback of all time, I would contend. Um, how, how much time do we have left in the Big Ben era? And how are you hoping that this plays out vis-a-vis him returning? Well, what do you, how do you expect it to play out? Not how do you want it to play out? Well, uh, it's, it's a fun conversation. Um, better stealer QB, Bradshaw, who, you know, is marginalized by, that's a, okay, we, well, let's, let's do a half an hour on that he, at a later date. He is but. marginalized. <clears throat> Well, anybody, I mean, him, I, he's a great deep ball thrower, but like, if you look at statistically, it just doesn't hold up, obviously, to modern you, quarterbacks. You know who else's statistics, uh, from QBs who played in the seventies don't hold up? Everyone else's. They, yeah. the, the completion percentages, the, the West, the, the West Coast offense has the greatest impact on pro football, um, of a, a, as much as anything has since the Super Bowls began. And, but Bradshaw, go watch him play games before you start rendering opinions he, about he him. That arm is as live it. as any you'll ever he see. Could bomb it downfield when you go back and watch those games that he played. Any, any could run. Um, any, oh, all right. Well, but yeah, who's better between him and Roethlisberger? <laughs> the bottom line is, I, I hate to give a mild answer here is, but I, at this moment, I have no idea. And neither does anyone else what's going to be with Roethlisberger until they MRI his elbow and see what the state of it is and how he can throw the ball. Either way, though, they are pot committed to Roethlisberger. And if Roethlisberger can't go in 2020, the Steelers are screwed. How good will the Steelers be in 2020 has everything to do with number seven and the health of his right arm. If he's ready to go. I think they are legit Super Bowl contenders in the conference that now belongs to to Patrick Mahomes. And I think the Steelers, with a healthy Roethlisberger, not even have a shot at it. I think they should beat the Ravens in 2020. I think that that offense is going to regress a little bit. Teams will catch up to it a little bit. And the defense for the Ravens is going to be a little bit, is going to lose more pieces just like it did a year ago, and I think it, that will regress too. Um, the defense is, you know, it has the pieces to be a top three kind of unit. Um, they will draft another receiver. I think Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster are enough to, um, to, to you know, to succeed in the passing game. Um But it has everything to do with Roethlisberger and these notions that national voices are throwing out are really, we talk about hot takes and getting into national inquirer level kind of punditry. Chris Canty goes on um, Fox Sports last week and says that the Steelers are hoping Roethlisberger retires so that they can move on from, from Big Ben and get another quarterback in there. That's a great thought, except that that is not something that could ever happen because if Roethlisberger retires, they have a $25 million cap hit today. If if Roethlisberger announces his retirement, they would have about $10 million to spend because they would recoup 8 million, eight and a half ish million or whatever it is. So they have about $10 million 
For a point of reference, Jacoby Brissett made $15 million last year. So I don't know who the quarterback, this imaginary quarterback who would be a legitimate starting uh, level quarterback is that the Steelers would go and get, that they, that they secretly want to be able to get over Ben Roethlisberger. It's not plausible. It's ridiculous. And then Thomas Davis went on the NFL last week and said Roethlisberger could have played um, could have come back last season Whoa. if he wanted to, but he looked at the roster and realized it wasn't worth it. And also, he likes his drama, as we all know. This, these are statements being made by by ex players uh, about uh, when, and there's no evidence to it whatsoever. It's just made up from whole cloth. There's, as far as I know, there's no evidence that these things are true. Um, but I'm for better or worse. Uh, you know, they have no flexibility, and it did make all the sense in the world, as much as people want to apply 2020 hindsight, the Steelers' management should not have re- reasonably foreseen that Roethlisberger was, was going to require major elbow surgery at 38. Short of that, short of having a crystal ball, it was a good idea for the Steelers. And to say, well, the Giants didn't do that with Eli, and now they're in better shape, and the and the Chargers didn't do that with Phil Rivers. They didn't extend him. Well, those were different situations, obviously, and Eli is at a different place in his career than Roethlisberger potentially is in good health. The bottom line is there is no flexibility with the cap for the Steelers. If Roethlisberger can't go, it's going to be Mason Rudolph, and that's uh, that's a pretty big drop-off. Save, here's the one wild card to, to leave you on, on some, uh, on some fun, with, with a fun thought. There is one guy out there who could play the 2020 version of Ryan Tannehill, aka first round draft pick, very talented guy, like Ryan Tannehill was when he was drafted by the Dolphins, but then became a punchline, but then became the savior of the Titans because he was pulled into a good situation and allowed the play savior taking over for somebody. That guy, Marcus Mariota, Josh, Josh Rosen, Josh, Josh Rosen. Why is it? Why isn't he Jim Plunkett? Okay. So Jim Plunkett didn't work out in two, in his first two stops. Then he got to the right spot and he won two Super Bowls. Ryan Tannehill was like, Oh, what? Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill. What are you doing? Titans. Two bad QBs don't equal one good one. Hurrah, 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 hurrah. Now Ryan Tannehill is a is a desirable option to get a quarterback, except that the Titans love him so much, I'm assuming they're going to tag him at worst. Um, why can't Josh Rosen be that answer there? If the Steelers, if Roethlisberger, let's say Roethlisberger's elbow is destroyed, it's like, yeah, sorry, Big Ben, it's over, you got to hang it up. That would be the move I would make. That's the only reasonable thing that the Steelers could do because remember they don't have a first round draft pick so who's going to be there well they should why don't they go and draft a guy like uh, Jordan Love because he's not going to be there that's why that's why because those guys aren't going to be there um to draft so I think you could say like hey here's a hey Dolphins here's a fourth round pick give us Josh Rosen Hmm. I like it I like it I like it I like it a lot I think and I think frankly uh, you may have just uh, forced yourself into a future invite uh, this offseason onto the podcast to sort of discuss how these uh, these things are shaking out. Uh, we got to bounce because I'm told that um, actually I don't know who's coming into the, po- the podcast studio, but somebody is. And uh, okay, fine, and I get it. I no. get the hint. No, 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 it's not. No, it's not your hint. I keep talking. <laughs> you know how. Oh, I love uh, to talk for hours. 
We, oh, we still... Debo, I got one more for you. What's... You and uh, your pal Brinson, I got one more thing for you. <laughs> that would have been uh, a fun hot take to start the thing, but I, I happen to sincerely believe it. The 2020 Saints would have been better off with Teddy Bridgewater than Drew Brees, and I also believe that the 2020 New Orleans Saints from Sean Payton on down agree with that. How? God, I disagree with that. But that's, Why do that's... they want that old man? Who? I mean, it's over already. What do they want to come back with the same thing? Teddy Bridgewater is the answer there, more so than 40-year-old Drew Brees. Just because Tom Brady played well into his early tw- 40s doesn't mean that this is now the new yardstick for all quarterbacks. One size does not fit all. And all I have to tell you is go watch Drew Brees play in his last three Januaries and tell me what's jumping out at you as, as a, the Hall of Fame guy that he is, great. But are we, are we positive that this guy at this age is a better option than Teddy Bridgewater is? I say no. And in fact, I am not sure, but I, I happen to believe that Teddy Bridgewater at this stage is better than Drew Brees is. I would let Drew Brees retire and go sign Philip Rivers or Tom Brady. That's what nobody's talking about. Is that the Saints could have gotten anybody they wanted. Uh, John Breach brought this up. They could have gone out and signed anybody they wanted because it's Sean Payton and the Saints in a dome. You get anybody you want if Drew Brees retires, but you got Drew Man, Brees. that's great. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah, the other one, I don't want to keep talking. I know you got to go. The other thing is I, I will say about Drew Brees is – because I like to play what if with things. This is nobody has challenged me um, in the last hour on this, and yet I feel uh, I have a chip on my shoulder about QB wins being an actual stat. Here's how important single wins in the postseason are. If Drew Brees, I mean, uh, if Dan Marino obviously beats the Patriots in the Orange Bowl and goes and plays the Bears in Super Bowl twenty a month after he had already beaten them in humid Miami, if he gets them on the fast track. In New Orleans, don't you think that Marino and company vanquished the 85 Bears again? And then Marino is on a completely different level as we perceive him. We may maybe even talk about him as the greatest of all time. Um, The other one is if Brett Favre, if Adrian Peterson doesn't have the fumbles in the, what is it, the odd eight or odd nine NFC title game in New Orleans, um, and Brett Favre throws a touchdown pass instead of a bad pick in overtime, and takes those Vikings to the Super Bowl, he goes down as the greatest quarterback of all time, this side of Brady. And Drew Brees is basically 21st century Dan Fouts. Oh, yeah, he's got all those stats. That's great. But he never even got to a Super Bowl. That's that's how we would talk about Drew Brees. As it is, people trying to jam him into like, oh, I think he's a top five Super Bowl era quarterback. Drew Brees, what? <laughs> that, you're, you're, you're pushing it, everybody. I like it. I like it. All right. All right. We are definitely, we, we are definitely coming back for part duh of, uh, uh, of, of this podcast at some point this offseason as the quarterback dominoes fall. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe to, uh, the Dave Damashek football program. You can go to, go listen to the Kyle Log episode. It's excellent work. Uh, there you can follow Sheck on Twitter at Damashek. Uh, check out Dave's of Thunder. And, uh, is it good sports with Adam Carolla? Is that, did I get that right? You got it. Good sports with Adam Carolla. We do them at the back end of the Adam Carolla show just about every day. And uh, much like this one, we uh, we we can't resist the temptation to veer away from uh, from football sometimes. Into the game. the game that is life. The game of the game of life. The most important game of all. All right, Shaq. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks for doing it. Hey, Will Brinson, you're uh, you're the bee's knees. We appreciate you. You're one of the great guys in uh, in sports media oh, to likewise, cross paths with everybody. 
No, everybody agrees with that. People always ask, what's so-and-so like? What's so-and-so like? I think it's always important to point out to the audience that the, the guy you're hearing or the woman you're hearing is great. And if you don't hear me say that, that's for a reason, too. But in this case, I say uh, I say it of Brinson. And in the next cast, we have to figure out why you decided to go with Will. When you were given the gift of William, you could have been Billy or, or a, something cool. Will. Uh, that's a long story, too. I'm a Robert, technically. Williams oh. is my middle name. Oh, Devo just Devo's like, oh no, oh no. Um, let's, uh, this is, we'll this, do it later. Long, this could be a long rambling story too. Let's, uh, let's reconvene. I gotta go get some eggs Benedict anyway. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, go enjoy your, go enjoy your, uh, herbal tea and your, and your mountain spa in front of the Pacific. <laughs> That's how you, you, you all do out there in California. <laughs> y'all, y'all, you eat sushi and you do your yoga and whatever else goes on out there. Oh, I don't get it. Bunch cold of, sushi. What the hell is happening? Bunch of, bunch of hippies out there. You ain't from real America. Um, all right, buddy. Let's uh, holler at me soon. We'll, we'll talk again. All the best. Thanks, fellas. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. That was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control-Alt-Desire, now streaming on Paramount+.